another episode of clutch conversations it's your boy mike we are back at you one more again live on a thursday night man i hope everybody doing pretty good man i know i am been looking for this all week looking forward to this all week man feeling good tonight ready to get into the show but first and foremost shout out to my lovely wife takara for holding the team down man y'all definitely show her some love in the comments also do us a solid and show the show some love Hit that like button. If you haven't already subscribed, definitely hit that subscribe button. We are almost at 1,000 subs, so we're not, not knocking on the door, man. Y'all help us get over the hump. Just hit that subscribe button, and everybody make sure you hook, smash that notification bell so you can get notifications every time we drop a video. And then for the audio-only game, no, audio recordings of Clutch Conversations are available on all major podcasting platforms, so does Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. So when you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform, please follow, rate, and review. It really helps us out. We appreciate the feedback. We appreciate the support. Speaking of support, man, shout out to all the super supporters this week, man, sharing the show, sharing this episode. Really appreciate it, man. I know a lot of y'all shared it. Um, Keys Constrictors, Bosa Balls, the homie Geo uh, from Eden's Den, Spicy Noodle Exotics, Wolfie's World Exotics, John Limon, Serp Works, genetics nerd man shout out to all y'all and anybody that i miss i really appreciate the support and definitely in the subject of support if you're involved with this reptile hobby in any shape form or fashion please make sure you're supporting us art and us art florida the links for both of those organizations are in the description of the video if you're not a member definitely go grab your membership there is strength in numbers if you're able to donate please donate what you can be sure to spread the word about both these organizations that help protect our rights as reptile keepers so definitely y'all know to tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend man the chat going crazy want to say what's up to some folks in the chat going through here let's see who we got first in the house Man, it's going crazy. Got to scroll, scroll, scroll. Appreciate the love, y'all. Mark Kerr, Reptiles in the building. Got a new name, new logo, whole new rebranding. Shout out. Thanks for the support. Got the guests in the chat. What's good, bro? The big homie Wiz. What's good, bro? Thanks for coming out. Bosa Balls. Kike, what's good, bro? Thanks for coming out. Eric's More Factory. Thanks for coming out. Hit you twice. John, what's good, bro? Thanks for coming out. Appreciate you sharing. Appreciate you. The big homie Keys, what's good, bro? Thanks for coming out. Thanks for coming out. We got Chris, last week's guest, Clutch Conversations alumni. Thanks for coming out, bro. BNS Reptilia. See who else we got. Another alumni, Matt Summers, Reptiles. Thanks for coming out. Christina, thanks for coming out. Genetics Nerd, thanks for coming out. Pico Pythons, Lindsay, what's up? Thanks for coming out. 
We got an OG in the building, Chris. Snakes and the Fat Man, thanks for coming out, bro. Wayne and Alice, thanks for coming out. Unlikely Morse, thank you for coming out. Appreciate the support. Jolly, what's good? Got a chance to leak up with the homie Jeremy at the Lakeland show last Saturday, man. I appreciate it. It was great catching up with you, bro. Thanks for coming out. Levi, what's good? Brought me familiar in the building. What's good? Jay Hill Jr., what's good? What's good? The homie Rock, what's good, bro? Thanks for coming out. Serp Works, what's good? Thanks for coming out. Slithery Serpents, say that three times fast. Thanks for coming out. Colin Schumark, thanks for coming out. If this is your first time coming out, y'all, please hit that subscribe button. Like I said, we're getting oh so close to 1,000 subscribers. Casey Goff, thanks for coming out. Wifey in the building, the infamous TJ to DJ on the ones and twos. Thanks for coming out. Geo, what's good, bro? Thanks for coming out. The homie Kent, what's good? Thanks for coming out. Mr. Blade himself, Ray, what's good, bro? Thanks for coming out. Greg, what's good? Ripping reptiles in the building. Thanks for coming out. Let's see who else we got. Think Will's hella heat with a hella new logo. What's good, bro? Thanks for coming out. I'm going to stop it right there. We're going to kick this intro, and then we're going to bring the guests out to the show. See y'all soon. Baby, baby, won't you listen to me? I got that flavor. I know you're dying to feed. I ain't no dancer. Just got some hip in my feet. Now throw your hands up. Episode 54, Lizard Morphs. What's good, bro? What's good? How's it going? I'm good, mate. How are you? Good, 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 man. Happy to be here. Same. Thank you very much for having me on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. So it's about noon over there, so I appreciate you uh, taking some time out your day to uh, come chat on the show with us. Yeah, lunchtime on Friday. I'm the day, I'm the day ahead. Well... I think most people uh, know that by now. I've told everyone, yeah. So we're like, so yeah, you're 8 p.m. on the Thursday night, so we're lunchtime on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, man. So we're getting a little insight into the future, man. Let us know. I need the lotto <laughs> numbers. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. So give us the rundown, man. Tell us about what you do, what you keep. Sure. So, um, yeah, so my, me and my wife, Emma, uh, and my kids are involved as well. We keep... Um, a range of lizards and breed lizards and, and sell lizards uh, here in um, 
Australia. So um, I mostly specialize in blue tongue skinks uh, and all different mutations and colors and stuff. Um, and then I also keep monitors. So I keep uh, Bell's Phase and classic lace monitors. Uh, I keep Gillen's monitors, which are like a small pygmy monitor. Um, and so that's what I'm into. And then my wife, uh, she looks after our, our Bearded Dragon collection. So she has a, a large collection of Bearded Dragons that we breed and we sell to pet stores and stuff. And um, we also have like a few other like pet animals. Like we have some geckos and we have some frogs in the in the kids' rooms and and things like that. But our, our main our main stuff is the the skinks, the monitors, and the dragons. Yeah. Nice skinks, monitors, and dragons. That's like the the main stuff. And then you got a lot of other different species as well. That's what's up, man. Yeah. So how did y'all get into it? So um, my background is that when I was a child, my parents had a laboratory, like a like a science lab in our house. Uh, my mum's an equine and veterinary biologist, so she used to blood test and drug like animals um, for racehorses for sport and then also do like lots of uh, blood testing and, and different stuff for vet clinics and for the zoo and all sorts of stuff. So um, I've always sort of had that science background and been into animals and we've had lots of stuff at home. Um, but I'm a really bad asthmatic, and so I can't have animals that have got lots of fur on them, you know. Like so, that really didn't work for me. And so a few years ago now, um, I wanted to get uh, some reptiles for a Christmas present, so I started with some skinks, and yeah, um, yeah start with one, and you end up with a hundred. You know, that's how it happens. <laughs> so same with the snakes, you know, you buy one ball python, you end up with four hundred ball pythons. So um, yeah, so that's what happened, and then it just sort of went crazy you know yeah so when you was first picking them up it was more as just a pet yeah i got two as a pet um and i really enjoyed look working with them and then you know i i watched uh, videos on youtube about all the mutations and the colors and stuff and the blue tongue skinks is really similar to working with ball pythons like you've got um recessive and and codominant mutations and you can do double and triple recessive you can mix them you breed hats it's all the same sort of lingo as ball python stuff. And I obviously watched a lot of ball python stuff um, online. And um, so then, you know, that made me interested in the skinks because you can do very similar stuff, you know. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah. at what point did it kind of click and you was like, hey, I'm, a, uh, I'm we're going to start breeding these. Like what led to that uh, business? Uh, I think I would have bred them from the very start. I mean, it's, I think owning animals, uh, breeding them is part of the, um part of owning them you know I, I don't really i wouldn't i don't want any animal as a pet to not breed you know that doesn't interest me really you know so everything i've got breeds um or, or i'll try and breed you know yeah gotcha gotcha okay so when you was first picking them up uh you was picking them up with the intentions of at some point down the road we're gonna breed this so those two yeah, first sure. ones that you picked up did you pick up like a 1.1 or yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I picked up one point one. Yep, and I picked them up. They were opposite genetics that could breed, and and so you know I picked up an al albino that was het for anery, and I picked up an anery that was het for albino. So they had the reverse genetics, and I hoped they were the reverse sexes. I bought them as babies, but you know you do your best to um, guess the sexing with blue tongue skinks. It's not easy to sex them like as, as a young as a young animal like it is with maybe a snake. It's it's hard to sex. How do you sex those? Uh, 
So there's a few ways. Um, you can pop them, um, but you really can't pop them till they're a fair bit older, you know, um, and it's not something that I would be confident doing or I would want to do. I just worry about the safety of the animal, so I wouldn't pop them. Uh, but you can, people do. Um, you can look at things like head shape and body shape and you can look at the tail and see if there's hemipenes. You do all that sort of, that normal visual cues. Um, you can contrast dye x-ray them. So you put a little bit of dye in the cloaca, put them through an x-ray and you can see oh, wow. what they've got. Um, or you can put them through a CT machine. So I've always done the x-ray with the, with the dye contrast x-ray. So you put a a drop of dye in the cloaca, you put them in the x-ray and you can see it. It's easy. Um, but so the what x-ray machine you yep. use? That's that's the first time I've ever heard heard about something like that. So do you yep. have access to like x-ray machine or is it like I do, do it? I do it at the vet. I do, do it at, at my vet. Okay, gotcha. Yep. So I go to my, I take it to my vet clinic. Uh, I have a trusted a vet clinic here in my state that specializes in reptiles. Okay. So I take it to him. And yeah, they just put a drop of dye in the cloaca, put in the X-ray, take a shot, and it's very easy to see. Okay. Um, is that an expensive test? What was that? Sorry. Is that an expensive test? Maybe a hundred and twenty bucks Australian. Okay. okay. So that's like, I don't know, eighty, uh, sixty bucks US or something. Sixty okay. to eighty bucks. Okay. US, yeah. So. Um, so yeah, so it is a bit of money, but I do I would do a whole collection of animals, and it was actually quite interesting. I bred a litter of double heads, and I wanted to. Um, they're all they're all hanging shit on me in the comments about not having a green screen. By the way, they're picking on me. I can. They don't feel bad because uh, I have a green screen, <laughs> but I just can't get it to work. So, oh. real quick story, bro. Real quick story. So I bought a green screen like three or four episodes ago. And I practice with it because everything I, I'm going to do live, I try to like do a practice run through like a couple of yeah. times. And so like I did the practice run through and it was looking good. Like everything was just perfect. Like I had like what I was going to do and all that. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do it this week. I'm going to do it this week. Got down to show day, put it up the exact same way. And for whatever reason, man, I got just like all kinds of like issues with it. like the little green glow is kind of like out of control. And then I got like some, some patches in it. I don't know if like the light is hitting it the wrong way. And I've been like adjusting the light. So I'm still tweaking it. But one day I'm going to pop up on here with the green screen. You're going to know I got it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, they're picking on me in the comments, but that's all right. So, um, yeah. So what with the x-ray, so I took, I bred a litter of double heads and I wanted to work out which ones I was going to hold back. And so we took them, I took them all in at three months old and we did the x-ray. And they all showed the same sex. And we were like, that's that can't be right. So then we took them all back at five months old. They all looked the same. Took them back at eight months old. And then, bang, you could see the difference. So that X-ray, uh, dye X-raying isn't actually useful until they've reached, like, a level of sexual maturity. Um, okay. So it's good, but you, you still got to hold the animals back for maybe 12 months and do do it that way you know um which which is fine um and then the other way that so the vet clinic that i use they recently just put in a a cat scan machine like a ct machine mm -hmm. um and it's the first vet clinic uh that, that in australia that has a special ct machine for exotic animals and um so my blue tongue went through one of my blue tongues went through that ct machine was the first animal to ever go in it and we did it oh, nice 
to look and see what we could see, and you can see everything. Like it's so good. Um, right. And I've got I put, I put pictures up and I put a reel up on my um, uh, Instagram. But yeah, so that was really really definitive and easy. So um, the whole backs I've got from this season, I plan on taking the bunch in as a group and just CT the whole lot. You know. Okay. Okay. So, so talk about your setups for your different lizards. Um, imagine with like different species, obviously there's going to be like different husbandry requirements and different setups. So, uh, dive into that a little bit. Yeah. And there's even different setups within the same species. So there's a lot of, um, uh, a lot of talk at the moment, particularly in the ball python, uh, community about racks, right. Um, yeah. and a lot of positive and negative, talk about racks and there's a bit of a you know a bit of an argument brewing at the moment about racks right as you yeah. would have seen you know, it's, it's might have heard a little something, something about it yeah <laughs> it's, it's been crazy it's been all over my instagram so i have uh blue tongues for example i have about uh 40% in enclosures and i have about four about 60% in racks and um I've got blue tongues that if I put them in an enclosure with UV and heat and lights and it's exposed and um, they won't eat. They just hide. They don't want to eat. They're, they're just very timid. They don't like it. I put them into a rack set up um, and they eat. They thrive. They do really well. And then I've got the reverse. I've got some animals that I put in a tub and they'll just pace the tub all day. They hate it. You can tell that they're um, looking for a way to get out all the time. Put them into an enclosure bang they behave normal they eat they bask they really like it so um i don't think it's like like this argument about oh you must do enclosures or you must do racks or i don't think that's true i think that all animals individuals and that you can put them where what works for them right so right. if you've got an animal if you've got a ball python in a rack and it's on a hunger struggle and it's not working well if it's not it's not eating anyway and it's not doing well in a rack, why wouldn't you just try it in a in a three by two? You know, who cares? <laughs> just try it, you know? Like can't go, can't get any worse if it's already on a strike. Right. So, and that's that's how I ended up with some blue tongues in enclosures and some in racks, because I had some that were not happy in a rack. I tried them in enclosure, great, you know. So um if you had to put a ratio on it between ones that thrive in racks versus ones that thrive in like uh like tanks or other enclosures for, for, for me it? for me yeah. I, I i probably find that um most of mine prefer racks um just the way i set them up they really like it um yeah so i probably would say one two three four oh yeah i've, I've got at the moment i've got four blue tongues in enclosures out of 30 adults okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually it's a, it's a much smaller percentage than I than I said before. Actually, I used to yeah. have more, um, but as I've bred, because I breed them and they're born in racks, and then they live in the rack setup, um, I, do, I tend to find that those animals never have a problem with the rack. Like they're always happy. Um, yeah. I have one whole back from last season that hates the rack, um, so she's in an enclosure and she's much happier. Uh, right. But even in the, even in the rack setup, so like in a they're a big, they're a big setup. They're three foot, they're three foot uh, tubs, um, and they're two foot, nearly two foot deep. So they're quite a big tub, because um, you need that space for a blue tongue. And I put three or four bits of butcher's paper, like layers of paper. Mm -hmm. I put a hard 
uh, slate tile in there that they can walk around on and grind the nails down. They have their water bowl. They have a hide. Um, I cut up every roll of paper towel that I use, which is a lot when you own reptiles. You use a lot of paper towel. Every paper towel roll, oh, yeah. I cut the roll in half and I throw the rolls in the in the tubs. Uh, I get bits of plumbing pipe and cut the pipe in half and put bits of pipe in them. Um, I put fake plants in them. Uh, so there's lots of stuff in there. Um, but it's lots of stuff that can easily be washed or, you know, it's it's disposable. So the paper, the the rolls, that, that's all stuff. That can, if, if, if they defecate on it, I just can clean the whole tub out, put new stuff in, done. But they really like getting in between the pieces of paper. Um, gives them lots of places to hide and they sort of rustle around in there and they, they nice. enjoy it. Um, so that's how I set up the blue tongues. And even in enclosures, I set them up the same with the same stuff, but just in enclosure. So they've got UV and heat lights. Uh, in racks, they've obviously got heat cord underneath, so they've got belly heat instead. Gotcha. Um, but all my tubs are clear as well. Uh, you can sort of see some back there. See how they're clear fronted. Um, yeah. And so I think I think for, for blue tongues, I don't know about snakes, but for blue tongues, they need to have the day and the night cycle. So the racks haven't got lights, but they're in this room. You can see how much light's in here from all the UV of the dragons and other enclosures. Um, so they're getting the day and night cycle in the room because the lights are either on or off in the room um, and clear tubs does that. So that works for me, you know? Um, so that's, so the blue tongues are a bit of a mix. All the bearded dragons are in enclosures. Um, so they're all in uh, three by two or four by two enclosures. Uh, they're all, they're all too high. Um, they have lots of multiple levels on them. So like um, uh, branches and shelves and things they can get up and down. Um, and we keep them on a mixture of substrates. So, we use sandstone or um, like concrete tiles for their nails. Um, we use chipsy, which is like a wood chip, um, like a, a small pine chip, similar to like a like a cocoa block sort of type stuff. Or we use sand in some, or we use fake grass in some. Gotcha. Um, just depends on 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 the on where it is in the house, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And so, like with keeping uh, multiple different species. I imagine there's some diversity in the diet. So, so talk about yeah. the diversity in the in the diet and kind of like what your like your feeding schedule, your feeding regimen, what that looks like, and how you like keep up with it, right? Yeah. So blue, I keep I keep uh, pretty detailed records on paper. I write down every time I do a feed. I have. I I would like to transition to like one of the programs, you know, like um, what's the one Billy has? Husbandry um, Pro. Husbandry Pro. Um, I, I would like to transition to one of them eventually. At the moment, I do a pen and paper um, for, for the side of it, um, for, feed, for feeding side, that is. Um, blue tongues are omnivores, so they eat a mixture of uh, meat and vegetables. Um, I use, I am sponsored by a brand um, called Fuzzy Fox. Fuzzy um, Fox? And, yeah, and they make. Yeah, that's it there. There you go. So that's the, that's the insectivore one. Um, but it's just like like Rapashi, but it's an Australian version. Um, okay. I sell it worldwide. He's done lots of research. It's it's, a, it's amazing product. Um, but it's like a gel-based product. You mix it up. So that's great for, for, for all the lizards. Um, but the blue tongues are an omnivore. So I can feed them fruit. I can feed them vegetables. I can feed them dog food. I can feed them mincemeat. I can feed them whole prey items like rodents, 
and quail. I can feed the gel mix, like the fuzzy fox. It's it's a huge fry. I can feed them eggs. Um, they can really eat heaps, heaps of stuff, which is which makes it easy because they are a little bit of a garbage disposal lizard, you know, <laughs> like you could just sort of you know, oh, I've got I've got spare rodents that I haven't been able to feed to the monitors yet, or I've got this, or I've got spare eggs in the fridge. I'll just I'll cook some eggs. I'll just do whatever. So, um, for that reason, they're good. And so I feed all the adult blue tongues twice a week. Um, the dragons are actually uh, uh, eat more often than that. You probably feed the dragons every second day. The adult dragons, uh, and and dragons are an insectivore. So essentially, dragons will eat live. Uh, crickets and woodies, which are like dubia roaches, like what you have, we call them woodies, um, and um, mealworms, and they'll eat salad as well. Um, so they'll eat, we use bok choy and kale and carrot and stuff like that for them. So um, that's for those. And then, so yeah, we've got that's a, we've got an omnivore for blue tongues, we've got an insectivore for dragons, and then you've got a carnivore for the monitors. So the monitors are, are a meat eater. Um, so my lace monitors, I feed them whole prey items like rodents and quail. I feed them salmon. Okay. Um, they love salmon. Eating yeah. good. Yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're they're eating better than me. Um, I mean, I'm having I'm having uh, you know something cooked. I'm having some shit cooked in the air fryer, and they're eating salmon. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they have salmon. Uh, they have um, chicken hearts. Uh, other different like organs, you know, like animal organs, because all the different organs have different types of nutrients in them. So I mix it up. Um, they can eat gizzards. They can eat, um, you know, chopped up steaks and meat and whatever. Uh, but whole prey items are good. Um, and I like the chicken hearts and I like the salmon. They're the things I like to use the most. Yeah. Gotcha. So Let's dive a little bit more into the lace monitors. Talk about those and kind of like what attracts you to the lace monitors and what are some of the uh, special challenges with the lace monitors? So the Australian Reptile Park in Sydney, um, I'm friends with uh, some people that work there and my daughter um, for her birthday, she went up there. She's only, she was, it was her 10th birthday last year. She went up there and worked for a day as a junior keeper in the zoo. Uh, in the reptile park with some of the keepers. So she went around all day doing stuff, you know. And so I was up there as well filming and hanging out with my mates at work there. And they've got two Komodo dragons and they've got them trained to walk on a walk in a harness. And nice. so I walked the uh, female uh, adult Komodo dragon around the park on a harness, like on a lead for like an hour. Um and it was the most amazing thing I've ever done. Like, I just fucking loved it, right? Um, but you can't own a Komodo dragon. <laughs> For obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, there's no, it's illegal in Australia. So um, the genetically closest species to a Komodo dragon in the world is the lace monitor. And okay. if you look at, the, look at the shape of them, the head structure, the way they walk, the way they move, they're like a slot, they're like a miniature Komodo dragon, right? Um, it's also the second biggest lizard in Australia behind the Parenti. Um, and so an adult male can grow two meters long, you know, which is bigger than me. And so I was like, that's a boss animal to have, you know? Yeah, so, that's a big lizard. <laughs> that's a big lizard. So I decided that that's what I had to have. So I came home from that trip 
and I pretty much had to have one. Um, and so, you know, um, after, you know, some persuading, um, you know, my wife was on board with the idea that I should, I could have one. Um, so I bought one. So I got a Bell's Phase uh, lace monitor. Uh, who's over there? They're, they're just—they're only still babies, so they're in this enclosure here. Gotcha. Um, so, um, well, they're, they're eight or nine months old now, so they're getting big. But, um, so yeah, I got a Bell's face, and the same guy that um, I got the Bell's face off, he had a whole litter, uh, and he lives in a remote part of Australia, so he wanted to sort of send them to the city to help get them sold, you know. So he sent the whole clutch to me, and I sold them to the pet shops um, in my area. Um, that, that sell reptiles, um, that wanted them. Um, so I got the bells and then I had that one for a couple of weeks and I was really happy. And then the, the rest of the litter came and I was going to distribute it in the shops. And I was sort of um, bugging my wife to say, you know, oh, look, if there's a nice, normal, classic one in here, not a bells. So then I could have one of each, you know. And so um, we were get we were unpacking them, unpacking them, me and my daughter and my wife was filming us unpacking them. And one came out, it was really nice. And in the just in the background of the video, you can hear her go, Oh, you should keep that one. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so yes, I was like, yes. So um, and I, I looked at my daughter Marjorie, I said, Did you hear her say that? Did she say that? And um, so yeah, so we kept um so we kept the classic as well. So we've got one of each. And okay. they're nine months old now, and the Bell's phase is uh nearly twice the size of the classic. And they look very different in head structure and so on. And I've sent a lot of photos to friends that I trust and stuff. Um, and we're, we're fairly confident that we've got a pair, um, a male-female pair, which would be amazing if we do because um, I do want to try and breed them later on. So at this stage, I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that we've got a pair. Um, nice. So when so you we'll say see. Bell's phase, I'm not super familiar with the lace monitor. So it's like Bell's okay. phase. Is that like a genetic? Is that a morph combo? What is that? Yeah. So so yeah. So there's two two types of uh, lace monitors. The way they look. So the the normal classic one is the one with all the little dots on it. Sort of looks like a like a like a painting. You know, it's got all the little dots like a, the same pattern. It's on like an Asian water monitor, or you know, it's got that really that that that, that nice pattern. Uh, that's a normal lace monitor. The Bell's phase is the black and white one. Um, so it's okay. like looks like Beetlejuice, you know, okay. um, yeah, like the full black and white pattern. Um, and I know Brian Barchek's one is not the one they've got at the Reptarium is named Beetlejuice. Oh, um, nice. yeah, and so I've got I've got one of each. One is like a full black and white pattern, and one is the normal. And it is a mutation, um, but it's a natural occurring mutation. You see them in the wild, like in the wild, there's both. Yeah. Okay. Is it like a recessive or what? I don't actually know its mode of um, its uh, mode of inheritance exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you to be honest. I actually haven't. I haven't worried that much about it because, like, if I breed them, I just want to breed them. I don't care what they, what if they're normals or or bells or what. You know, they sort of the bells do sell for more money um, here in Australia, but not much more money, and they're nothing like. I bought them for for, for about ten percent of the price of what they're worth. In America, you know, so in America, they're very worried about which color you get because it makes a big difference to the price. And like a Bell's Face lace monitor in America is worth thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, but in Australia, it's not, you know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm breeding them and keeping them because I want them. Um, because they're, they're attractive. 
Plus two, I've got a lot of American people and overseas people that follow my Instagram page, and um, it's a striking, uh, impressive animal. Be great for videos. It's fun, you know. Um, yeah. So you know. Yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, are there any like health challenges you have to kind of be on the lookout for with uh, any of your lizard species? And if so, what are they? Yeah. So. The blue tongues, blue tongues can be prone for some respiratory stuff. Um, they're a bit like a ball python in the way that you know, if you keep them a bit too cool, those sorts of things that they can get, they can get a bit of respiratory stuff going on. You know, same as a snake. Um, so you definitely got to keep a close eye on temperatures. Make sure you're keeping them, uh, keeping them right. Um, also, you know, they do get um, stuck shed around toes and things. Blue tongues. Um, okay. and some of the genetic mutations are more uh, susceptible than others. Like I find the white, I've got white blue tongues like uh, and the albino, especially around the toes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. So some of the mutations get a bit more susceptible to certain things. So you just sort of learn that over time. You got to just keep a closer eye out for it. Um, I, I'm, I am probably known on my um, <laughs> Instagram for helping animals remove their shed. Um, I get in fights with people about it all the time, but for me, I have better results and I have better health of my animals to when the shed is coming off to take it off. I don't leave it. Um, I saw one like of your uh, shed videos. Yeah. Uh, I think got like 12 views on it. What? 93 million. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So I got one, I got one, I got one that's got 92.3 million views, um, which was a shed one. And yeah, everyone went, yeah, they went berserk. Um, so look, there was probably 150 people that hate me and want me to die on that on that video. Um, but I got like three million likes, so I don't care what they think. Um, but um, you know, we have a big collection, you know. Uh my wife um spends so much time looking after them um and feeding them, and we keep them like this is like a lizard hotel, it's that clean. You know, this is my office, you know, lizard shit stinks, right? Like if we weren't keeping them clean, this room would be unbearable, you know, and I work at this desk full time. This is where I, I spend the majority of my time. So, um, you know, it really, we, you know, we spot, I spot clean the lizards in this room two or three times a day. They get their enclosure fully cleaned out once or once or twice a month. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a lot of work, um, but they're very highly cared for. So we're not going to do something that would hurt them, you know, like, so, um, but I think removing those sheds, especially around eyes, nose, toes, um, you know, those things, it, it just, it does make for a better quality of life for the animal, uh, in my, in my opinion, keeps them clean and tidy and we just have less health problems. You know, if you leave it and shed gets stuck in their nose and you've got problems, um, you know, and, and some of our, especially our bearded dragons, some of them are worth a lot of money. So, you know, and the blue tongues, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, you definitely got to keep up and stay up with the cleaning. I mean, that's with any animal, uh, but you definitely got to stay on top of that. And so you do a lot of socialization of your lizards as well, right? Yeah, so not probably not that much between the lizards themselves. So the blue tongues are all kept separately in their own enclosures. Right. And we get them out. I get them out for basking. in the, uh, We've got a dining room window that the sun comes in and heats the floor up in the dining room. 
And I could I could bring all the blue things out, sit them on there. They wouldn't even know there was another blue tongue in the area because they're so busy just enjoying the sun and the heat off the ground. Um, so, um, but we don't really put them together unless unless we're breeding. Um, we keep them all separate. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do get a lot of socialization with my f- family and children and stuff. You know, like my kids. I'd have, I saw a fo- I shared a photo the other week um, with my daughter in bed. Um, on her iPod with like three blue tongues in there, and they're like three two thousand dollar blue tongues. So she's got six grand worth of <laughs> lizards in her bed watching YouTube. <laughs> um, so yeah, so um, we do socialize them a lot with us. Um, so like I I would hold every blue tongue every day uh, because I check every blue tongue every day. I check, I spot clean them. So I I grab the lizard out, I check the lizard over to make sure there's no issues. Um, so yeah, they're very well handled and socialized for sure. You know, absolutely. Yeah. That's what's up, bro. And the That's monitors, cool. the lace monitors at the moment, they're growing a lot, but I've still got them in quite a small enclosure. Um, they're due for an upgrade very soon, but they're okay in that size enclosure at the moment because we get them out for probably an hour to two hours every second day. Uh, and we let them roam the house. So there's videos uh, on my Instagram of them jumping off my dining room table onto my clothes horse and climbing up my laundry and running around all over the house. So, yeah, they, they are socialised a lot with us, especially the lace monitor. You know, you're going to have two lizards that are going to be two metres long, right? And and if they're not socialised, they're nasty as, right? Like they'll they'll take your finger yeah. off, right? Yeah. So, uh, and I've got four children. So the last thing I want is, you know, my daughter to lose a finger or me to lose a finger um, because – they're not handled a lot. So, I mean, we hold them heaps um, uh, and we get them out a lot, let them climb around just because uh, we need them to be super social, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. You don't yeah. want them problems at all. No. And I want to walk them around on a lead like I did at the uh, reptile park. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want to walk the lace monitor up to the dog park and see how all the dog people, how all the dog people go. I reckon they'll all go home. Right, so what all species have y'all bred so far? So at the moment we we breed we, we've been breeding the dragons for several seasons. This season we bred uh, over four hundred babies um, of dragons. Wow. Um, we we've been breeding the blue tongues now for several seasons. This season I had four litters of blue tongues. So blue tongues are live bearers. So I had four litters this year, um, and then. That they're the only two species so far that we breed regularly. Yeah, gotcha. the Gillens. I've got Gillens monitors, which I got um, just over a year ago. I got a trio, um, so I would look to breed them next season. And then the lace monitors are, are still only nine months old, so they're probably two two years away from being breeding age. Um, <clears throat> and um, so then we'll start getting into breeding monitors as well. So, uh, but for now. Um, just been breeding the dragons and the blue tongues yeah okay gotcha so like for me and for other folks like who focus on ball pythons obviously like we planning out our projects you know what i'm saying like we might be in like the dg clown project might be in the hypo clown project and so, like, all these different projects and so that really drives a lot of how we like select uh our breeding pairs and then obviously yep. there's like certain like better examples of a certain morph and so you yep. might work with that and stuff like that so talk about how you go about selecting your breeding pairs like is it primarily genetically driven in terms of like mutations and stuff like that what all goes into that decision process 
Yep, it's all genetically driven. Yep, so we, we're doing it for mutations. Um, we obviously know the lineage of all our animals, so we're trying to breed um, as mostly unrelated as possible, you know. Um, sometimes you do breed things that are related back to each other specifically to try and go down a certain route, um, but as much as possible you're trying to breed uh, genetically unrelated animals. Um we do try and breed structurally good-looking animals as well. So, like, if an animal's got a deformity or isn't going to be suitable for breeding, that we don't, we wouldn't use them. Um, so, in dragons at the moment, our, our main focus is uh, the zero mutation, which is the all-white, patternless bearded dragon. Okay. Uh, the whiplets mutation, which is um, it's a patternless mutation similar to zero, but you can still have color in it. Um. And then we're also, this season, we've held back some animals that are mostly red. Um, so we're not, that's not a mutation, but we want to breed more red or orange colored dragons because um, that's been a very popular request at the pet stops that we sell to, that they want people coming in saying, oh, I really want a bright red or a bright orange colored bearded dragon. So we're holding back some of the best red or orange ones to try and get those um uh, to breed to line breed some color as well so that's what we do in the dragons uh in the blue tongues so um i'm i'm working on breeding mostly at the moment working on breeding double and triple heads um so the mutations that are working on so hypermelanistic is all black um okay. hypo or white northern is all white uh albino um, an anery, which is like azanthic, like a like a grey animal with black eyes. Okay. So they're the four they're the four single gene mutations. And now I've made I've made what they call double het for platinum. So platinum is the black and the white mixed together. The double visual is like a like a silver animal, like a platinum okay. color. Okay. So I've got I've got double heads for platinum. I've got what they call double heads for lava. So lava is um, the hyper, the black, and the albino. And when you get the double visual, the animal's like a really bright orange. It's like oh, the nice. albino, like the albino, but turned up to a thousand, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've got double heads for that. I've got double heads for um Sunglow, which is the albino and the white. Okay. Um what else have I got double heads for? I'm just looking around my room, what I've got. Platinum, Sunglow. Uh yeah, they're the three that I've bred double heads for so far. So um so I bred single gene visuals in my first year. Then I, I've bred single gene visuals to each other. Now I've got double hets and I'm growing up. Um, and I've also got some single gene visuals that are het for the other one. So I've got I've got hypers, like black ones, that are 100% for albino. So they're the same as having a double het, essentially, but it increases your chances because you've got a visual. You know, you'll get your percentages are better. Yeah. Um, so I've got I've got some of those as well. So that they're the main four things I work on with the blue tongues, and um, yeah. So that's what that's what I, that's what I'm working on now. So so next season, all I'll, I'll be trying to breed all the double heads back to each other. Yeah. I've got enough now. I've got I've got a male female pair of platinum double heads. I've got I've got an army of double heads for larva. So larva is the one that I really want to breed the visual, and it's a one in sixteen chance. Uh, to make the double visual, I guess it's mm -hmm. the same in it's the same, same in ball pythons, same in same ball pythons, right? So, so yeah, so the, <laughs> the one in sixteen, the one in sixteen double visual larva is what I really want to make. 
uh, next season. So I've got an army of those. I've probably got three males and 10 females that I've held held back. So I'm just going to smash all them together and I just really want to make one. Um, Yeah, I've got got just the 1.1 double head platinum, but I'll give them a go. Um, I've got just a female double head sunglow. I don't have a double head male to go with her, but I'll breed her. Because she's double head for sunglow, I mean, she's she's head for white and for albino. So I'll probably breed her to a visual white or a visual albino. Um, okay. So at okay. least I get something. Um, so yeah, I've got I've got good I've got good options, you know, um, lots of pairs to breed and stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, you you speaking my lingo now. So yeah. are there are there any uh like genes that don't play nice with each other? Like for example, in the ball python world, you can't put spider to spider, or else you know what I'm saying have a non viable animal. So are there any genes like that in the lizard nothing, world? Nothing that I know that is like non-viable, like as in nothing that I know that is 100% death rate or can't breed or this and that. But what you, you do get, like you do get weaker animals if you're breeding visual to visual all the time. Um, so to make stronger, healthier, more robust animals, you're much better breeding heads. Gotcha. Um, visual to visual doesn't make as good stuff um, in babies. Weaker, smaller animals, not not as great, you know. Um, so, I I would always try like I'll breed a visual to a visual if they're not the same gene. So I I personally wouldn't breed uh, albino to an albino or a black to a black or a white to a white. I wouldn't do that. I'd br- I'd prefer to breed the the black visual to a het black okay. or a albino visual to a head albino so i can make more but it's just not like too like not too pure because you do just get weaker stuff yeah yeah i've heard that too before not necessarily just with with lizards but like with other species like i think i heard with boas before so do you know what drives that like what's kind of like the phenomenon is going on that leads to that i don't actually know that i've just always known that that's a thing so i avoid it um, and I have I have seen it. You know, I have bred visual to visual, and the outcomes is not as good. Uh, and it's the same in the bearded dragons. Like, um, you know, you can't breed zero to zero effectively. You can't really breed wit to wit effectively. Um, you can do it, and you'll get babies, but they're weaker, and they're just just not as good quality. Um, so you get a more bigger, robust, healthier animal. Um, you know. All visual mutations are a little bit weaker than a wild type animal in in, in lizards, and so I think by 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 keeping using hats, you just can keep the line a bit stronger. You know. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, are there any like temp or humidity considerations, like when you're breeding? Yeah. So I the I guess the good thing about the species I keep, I don't keep anything that's tropical. Um, Everything I keep is from, like, the bearded dragons are quite an arid environment. The blue tongues are all on the southeastern coast of Australia, which is fairly, um, you know, it's just not humid ever. Um, so everything I keep, I don't have humidity issue. I, I don't I don't want humidity. I don't, I don't try and create any humidity. I basically have the place dry. Um, they all have a water bowl, um, but the water bowl is at the cool end of the enclosure, so I'm never sort of heating the water. There's no steam. I don't have any any humidity. Um, everything's everything's dry, and that works best. So you don't get. I think the humidity you can get respiratory issues with the blue tongues and with the dragons, mm-hmm. uh, and with the monitors. So so I don't I don't really give them humidity much at all. I occasionally spray an animal in shed, um, 
but I would prefer to take the animal out of its enclosure and bath it than I would to spray it in its enclosure and create humidity would be my preference. Okay. So I've heard like with the bearded dragons, like you can pair them like one time and then once yep. the female lay, if you start feeding her, she can lay again and again and again and again. Like, is there a yeah. limit to how much she can continue laying? And is it the same way with the skinks or lizards in general? How does that work? Yeah. Okay. So the skinks are live bearers. So yeah, I breed right. the blue. So, yeah. So the blue tongues, I brumate them. I bring them out of broom. All my all all the lizards brumate too. Yeah. So they all have a brumation like a colubrid. In winter, you cool them for six or eight weeks. You don't feed them. You let them sleep. You warm them back up. They they'll go crazy like they're looking for a female, and then you breed them. It's pretty much how lizards go, and they're all sort of the same. Um, but the skinks, I breed them. I pair them three or four times to make sure that the male has done the job. And then I keep them apart and hopefully the girl's pregnant or not. Um, but they're not, they're not always pregnant. Um, but I but I hope so. Um uh, and then gravid, obviously. Um, with the and then yeah, the skinks are a hundred days later, 120 days later, you get babies, basically. Is it a litter? Um, like what's the litter a size litter. Like yep. skinks? Litter, yep, litter. What's the yep. litter size? Oh, uh, like um, the smallest litter I've ever had is one. <laughs> little litter <laughs> one litter uh and then the biggest litter i've ever had was 13 wow okay a third 13 plus one that had a kink uh that didn't survive so 14 but 13 viable babies was my best litter got you okay and is that um, typical or i think so i think anywhere for, i think people generally somewhere between four to six at the low end and 13 to 15 at the high end is about right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I've had a one and a 13. I've had both ends of that spectrum. <laughs> um, the one I had was the double hat sunglow female. So I've only got her. Um, but um, I didn't think her mum was gravid. I didn't think I was going to get a baby. So to get one, I was pretty happy. Um, so, yeah, so that's how the, the blue tongues are. The dragons, yes. So you, you put the male and the female together one time. Long as he locks her. And puts it in, you know, it's a home run. We've never paired them and had them lock and not got viable eggs ever. And um, so about 30 days after you breed them, I think it's 30 days. Yeah. Might be a little bit. Yeah, about 30 days she'll lay a clutch of eggs. And then she'll lay a clutch of eggs every 20 to 30 days after that, um, as long as you keep pumping food into her. So once she, once she lays a clutch, feed, feed, feed. She'll go again and she'll just keep cycling. Uh, they retain the sperm um, and just keep laying fertile eggs. So um, you do got to keep an eye on them. You don't want them to end up um, being too depleted. Um, and it's hard work making eggs, right? So if, you, if you're looking at your female and she looks worn out, um, after she lays a clutch of eggs, we just don't feed her for three days. Gotcha. And then that'll that'll end it. So if she's laid two clutches and she looks no good, after that second clutch, we won't feed her for three days. No third clutch comes. She just she just kicks out of the cycle and it ends. Gotcha. Um, if, if she looks good and she's powering along and she's doing great, she looks healthy, she's got, you know, she's a good, healthy, strong-looking animal, you just keep feeding them and she'll keep laying clutches. I think the most – we had one female go seven clutches. We, we were feeding her for five and then we – tried to stop her the last two 
and it still it, she just kept going um so sometimes <laughs> i won't pull up but um essentially you know you, you try and pull them up and and look the last clutch was all um uh slugs you know she didn't but she still put a lot of work in to make those slugs so you don't yeah. really you don't want to do that because it's it's too hard on her so you do try and um you know have some sort of uh you know try and pull them up you know try and look after them you know try and keep an eye on the animal you gotta really know the animal keep an eye on them and care for them and and make those changes as you can so yeah gotcha. um, yeah good yeah so that's what we do for them and then a funny story about the bearded dragon stuff, right? So my daughter, uh, a few years ago, she goes to a Catholic, a Catholic, uh, a Catholic school, mm-hmm. and at the start of the year, we had a meeting with the school teacher about um, uh, her new class. So she had a new teacher for the year. I think she was in grade three or grade four, and um, she decided to tell the teacher all about the lizards at home. She's like, oh, "I want to tell you about the lizards. I, I, I breed lizards, and so, which was great, you know." And he was really interested. He was asking all these questions. And then we'll talk about how we breed lizards and we have babies and all that. And then, you know, my, I don't know, she was seven or eight at the time, to my to a Catholic school teacher said, yeah, so we put the bearded dragons together one time and the female retains the sperm. And then I was just like, <laughs> you know, I, I just didn't think my seven-year-old was going to say retains sperm to a Catholic school teacher. But it's science. Um, it's it is science, but I don't know. Do Catholic, Catholics believe in science? I don't know, but um, they believe in God. So yeah, um, it was just crazy. I was just like, oh my god, I can't believe you say that. Um, so, <laughs> to a school teacher. So anyway, but um, it was it was pretty great, and the teachers were really supportive of how into the animals she was, and she actually bred she bred stick insects in the school classroom that year. You know, uh, with that oh, teacher. Nice. So. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. So that was he was a really great teacher. But I just thought it was funny that you know she said sperm to a school teacher, a primary school teacher. <laughs> she retains the so, sperm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh no, you know, it's not really what I expected. So, so what does hatching season look like for your or baby season? Because they're not all hatching up. Yeah, well. So hatching bearded dragons is crazy. It's very hard on Emma because uh, she looks after them. But we have an incubator in the next room, um, and obviously we're incubating them, checking eggs every day, and they're hatching. Um, we keep we we house them in clutches um, as as baby dragons, um, and we feed them and grow them up for anywhere between two and four weeks before they go to the store. Um, and we sell them to stores in in big lots. So you know might deliver 10, 10, anywhere between 10 and 40 dragons at one time and we drop them off at the store as a, as a lot, you know. Um, but we we sometimes could have, you know, two or 300 baby dragons in the house uh, in, in dragon season, so there's a lot of them. Um, the blue tongues, because I'm breeding mutations, a lot of people do keep the baby blue tongues together initially, um, but, you know, you do get, bitten off tails and bitten off feet and all sorts of stuff if you house them together for too long. Um, oh, so man. I don't. Because I, I'm so breeding. What's kind of the cutoff um, or where you got to pull them? Like how old? I pull. I, I, do it the, I do it the minute they're born. Yeah. Okay. You, yep. you don't even yep. play that game nah, at all. I don't. No, nah, I don't. Some people do, but it's, that's not for me. I just, you know, if I bred a, especially if they're, um, visual <laughs> genetic mutations that I don't want. 
uh, that, that are worth money to sell or that I want for myself, I would immediately, I guess if I had a litter of all hets and I wasn't so stressed about it, maybe I could, but I, I just care about the animal's welfare so much. I just, you know, I get upset when anything like that happens. So, you know, I'd rather separate them straight away. We have had it occasionally happen with the dragons too, you know, the odd nip tail and stuff. Uh, and it's a, <clears throat> it's pretty heartbreaking. So we try and separate them uh, as quickly as possible, you know. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That makes yep. perfect sense. Uh, so if you had to tell somebody like, let's say top three, top four, it doesn't really matter. But what are the top things that people should know, like when they're getting into keeping lizards? And then especially if they want to get into like breeding, like um, obviously you got to speak from the species you keep, but what are some yeah. pointers you got for the folks? I think lizards are a more, a, a, a more regular commitment maybe than from what I hear people say about keeping snakes. Yeah, um, 100%. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you've got to do, um, you've got a daily water change. You've got a daily clean for poop. I mean, a blue tongue, a blue tongue loves to shit in its enclosure and then walk through it and then do a finger painting all over the side of their enclosure. Like that's, that's a fun day for a blue tongue, right? So, <laughs> you know, it is a commitment. You do have to clean them every day. You do have to change their water every day. You do have to check on them every day. Um, you know, you do have to provide the right environment particularly in regards to heat, you know, um, to keep them healthy. Um, so I think that, that, you know, they're, they're, they're a commitment, but they're a great animal, you know. Uh, lizards have lots of personality, um, which, again, I think is, I, I mean, I guess it's different to snakes. Um, but, you know, that they have a lot of personality and they can be really rewarding to, to work with. Um, and they're super interesting. Um, but you do have to put, you do have to put, they are time commitments. So um, they're not a disposable pet. They're not a pet you can just sort of set, forget. They're not like a dog you can just have in the backyard and throw it some food and walk it once a week. It's just, it's, they're probably a bit more than that. Right. Um, but, you know, as long, you know, as long as you're willing to look after them, you know. And I, I get a bit annoyed at people that like um, want to buy a reptile, but then if the reptile's unwell, they're not really prepared to travel to a specialist vet or spend the money on a vet to look after them, you know? That's um, part of the commitment. I Yeah, I think it is, and I, I, it pisses me off uh, when people buy them and then aren't willing, you know, like, you know, I, I've got a, uh, you know, a blue tongue and, you know, it gets a respiratory infection. Well, we go to the vet, I spend 300 bucks, I buy the, you know, the medication, I do the treatment. I make sure it's housed correctly. I mean, you just got to go through the process and do the right thing. You can't just go, ah, oh, yeah, who cares, you know, whatever, you know. It's just a blue tongue, you know. It's a disposable animal, whatever. Yeah, it's just not for me, you know. I really care right. about them. So, so um, you know, as long as people are, are, are committed enough to do the regular cleaning, have the right housing, um, spend the time with them and spend the money on them if they have to, you know, they're excellent pet. Excellent. Lots of fun, you know, and they're great for people with allergies, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, no fur. <laughs> it's the best, you know, do the rodents bother you at all? Like I know you feed some of your animals rodents. Do, does that bother your allergies at all? I only feed frozen thawed. So, okay, so you're doing yeah. Frozen thawed. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, a lizard doesn't need it to be alive to attract them. Yeah. 
Nah, you just wave it around. They'll eat. Like, pounce on it. Pounce right well, I mean, they eat dog. They eat dog food. That dog food's not running away. So they'll eat it. They'll eat it. They'll eat a frozen thawed mouse. Like that's no problem. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, there's no. I've never. I've never had to feed live. Um, I think um, some of the monitors might like live, um, and I may try that at some point. Um, but I, I've never had to to this point, so I haven't had to worry about it. Okay, is that a, like in the states? I know it's like a big debate: frozen thaw versus live, and like people get into it. Like kind of the same way they get into it with racks versus enclosures and stuff like that. Is yep. that a big debate in Australia? Like the frozen no. thaw versus live? It's not. I never hear that debate. Um, I think it becomes a debate because people take videos of um, live feeding and put them on the internet, and and they make they make it a problem, you know. Um, so I think if you control what you show people, it's less of a problem, you know. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. I think you you attract you attract you attract your own problems sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I, I don't really see a problem with it. I think if you want to take a video and show a live feeding, there's nothing actually wrong with that. Like that's nature. I mean, if it's if it's particularly cruel, like and done to to look like if it's done, you know, if it's just if it's not a natural animal that would eat by another natural animal, you know, I think it's dumb. You know, like you know, but uh, live feeding is not inherently cruel. It's natural. Um, but it's just sometimes the way it's portrayed is bad, you know. Um, right. That's where you're causing all the dramas, you know. And so you bring you bring the negativity upon yourself. Gotcha. So if I was going to feed live to my lace monitors, for example, because I thought that was a good idea, I wouldn't take a video of it, put it on my Instagram. Why? What? Exactly. For what? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I agree 100 percent there. Like I the feed live, this- but I don't make videos of it. Like I feel like I just there's no reason for me to record yep. it and put a video on it. Yeah. Oh, but the shed video. Look, and the controversy does attract views and does get you likes and subscribers and followers. And so you've got to be. Um, I think people, some people that do live feeding, then get big followings because of the live feeding, right? And so you do get a bit addicted to the followers and the numbers and the, whatever you get, right? Um, and I know I get that when I do the shed videos, right, on Instagram. And then people say, oh, you do, you know, what you're doing is cruel. But it's not cruel. I honestly stand by the fact that I think the way I look after him is actually better for the animal and, and, and is actually keeping the animal healthier. And um, I'm happy to put my flag in that position and I'm happy to talk about that with anyone. That's how I feel about it, you know? Yeah, so, so talk about that. Let's dive deeper into that, right? So obviously there's a counter argument to what you just said. So speak on what the primary counter argument is and then kind of your stance and kind of like just oppose the two. Yep. I think the counter argument is that you shouldn't assist when the lizard's shedding because you can hurt the lizard, right? Now, yes, you could. If you are taking shed off when the shed's not ready, if you're peeling shed off when it shouldn't be peeled off, um, yes. And so if you're a person who owns one bearded dragon and lives on the other side of the world to where bearded dragons are from and know only know about bearded dragons from what someone told you at PetSmart, I don't think you should peel your bearded dragon, right? 
that 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 that's probably a good position to have. And I think the position of not helping them with shed is because you don't want someone who doesn't know when to do it or how to do it or why to do it to do it. So I get it, right? But I have a big collection. I I I, I know when they're ready to be done. Uh, when you've got the animal in hand, you know, it's loose, it's dry, it's coming off. Um, you know, we soak our lizards to help them with the shed. You know, you've just got to make sure that you do it at the appropriate time. I think someone with less experience might do it at an inappropriate time. So the counter argument makes some sense. Um, and I think if you, and I, I do write to people, like when people comment, say, you shouldn't do that. I say, listen, I've got a big collection. I spend a lot of time with the animal. I know when it's ready to be done. I've checked with my veterinarian. I, I, you know, I have experience, you know, if you don't have the experience, don't do it. Right. You know, um, and then someone will say, well, you shouldn't show it because people without experience will copy you and you'll, they'll hurt your dragon. I just, I've just never had a problem doing it. I've never heard it. I've never heard an animal doing it. And I just don't believe it hurts them. You know, I just, yeah. And people say, oh, you can look at the reaction of the animal. It's, it's moving. It's trying to bite you. It's doing this, it's doing that. Some of those animals, they try, they try and bite my hand because every time they see my hand, it's food. Yeah, you know they bite me anyway, right? Up your condition. So, yeah, like they just, <laughs> you know, some of them are spicy. Some of them have got attitude. Some of them are gonna. If I was patting them, they'd bite me. If I'm peeling their shit off, they'll bite me. If I'm feeding them, they'll bite me. If they just like biting you, you know, they think you know they. That's just their personality. Um, some I've got some lizards that would lay there and not move a muscle while you took their shit off because that's their personality. But the ones where they're reacting and jumping around and carrying on, that 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 makes a better video for Instagram, right? So that's the one that goes up. So people think that I'm uh, hurting them, but I'm not. So, I mean, that's I, – I see both sides of the argument. I think if someone hasn't got experience and it's their first time having an animal, leave the shed for as long as possible, and then you might just help at the end. You know, it's already falling off. You might just help flick it off and it's good, you know? Um that makes sense, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, oh, they're yeah. dead skin cells, right? You know, okay. I had someone say, Oh, if you help your a lizard shed, it's gonna get cancer. Well, just does that how does that work? It, it, it doesn't work, right? That's that's just they've read too much internet, you know. Like that's enough internet for today. Put the internet <laughs> away, please. You know, get off of Al Gore's internet. Yeah, uh, no, <laughs> come on. So, yeah, so. Yeah, you hear all sorts of crazy things, but you know, I, I would never do. You know, we, we, you know, we don't do anything to hurt our animals. You know, it's simple as that. We love them. Every animal, every every one of the lizards got its own name. You know. Yeah. You're not so, naming every snake. So we started out naming every snake. <laughs> we really did. Like we we got up to like a good number of snakes that all had names, but then probably the last. Probably about twenty percent of our collection don't have a name now, but we started out strong. But yeah, it just as it grew and grew and grew and grew, it just became harder to name them all. Well, imagine naming four hundred snakes. You know, I mean, like how many snakes have you got? Uh, we got about a hundred ish between <laughs> breeders and uh hatchlings and stuff. So a hundred yeah. names. It's just like it's getting out of hand. <laughs> I mean, it's getting out of hand here. We've probably got we've got like fifty adult breeders. You know. Um, which is a lot of lizards, right? Because of the amount of care and, um, 
yeah, it's a lot of names. You know, it really, it really is. Yeah, yeah we we gave it a hell of a fight go. Like we got up there in numbers with names, but then it just started becoming like hard. And it's easier for me. Like it's crazy. So I can remember like six genetics and a snake easier than I can remember a name. Yeah, that's time. right. And the other problem is too, uh, it's much harder to sell an animal once you've named it. Because it becomes closer to you. Yeah. So if you if you think you're going to sell animals at some stage because they don't suit your project uh, and you've named it, you're in deep shit. <laughs> 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 because you know, like, oh, I can't I can't sell Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like doesn't work like that. You know, you can't, it's, yeah. So uh, I, I find naming them, I have sold a few adult breeder blue tongues because they didn't suit a project anymore, um, you know, or I had too many males or whatever. And, you know, oh, I've got to sell Volcano. Oh, I don't really want to sell him. I like his name. So it, <laughs> it, it that is hard. So uh, I think that's, you got to be a bit careful with the naming. But we name them all because they are our pets. They're part of our family here. Um, they do have personalities, lizards. Our kids get them out, and our kids own lizards, right? Like, like my son Ryan owns owns Ricky, a bearded dragon. Freya owns um, a bearded dragon and a blue tongue called Jaden. Uh, Marjorie owns. She names Marjorie names all her blue tongues after food. So she's got pasta, <laughs> jelly bean, lasagna. Um, so, so yeah, anyway, so they've all got names and that's just, that's how it is, you know? <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Um, the first clown that we got, uh, like I named her Isis, like she was a, a, a pastel clown female. And so Isis, I just like, of, Isis like the terrorists? No, not Isis like the terrorists, but like Isis <laughs> like in mythology and like, uh, <laughs> I was like, well, that's, that's strange. Um, oh, did you see did you see what Matt Summers said? Naming <laughs> equals attachment. Attachable attachment is yeah, that's right. Not the Jedi way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's right. So that's a problem. Like if you name them. Sorry, go on. What were you saying? Oh no, and then so like I stuck with the I theme and like all my clowns, and so like all the clowns and stuff that we was getting, like stuck with the I theme. Like we had like different themes, like some of them got some Marvel names and stuff like that. But yeah. just here recently, probably. It ain't even been a year since we stopped naming snakes. We just kind of like stopped and just started tracking the genetics because it, it yep. does get hard to come up with a name every single time. And then what's harder for me, and which is, again, such a weird dynamic, I can remember like six genes easier than I can remember a name, right? Yeah, that's right. And look, if you've got a powerhouse, multi-genetic male or female that you know you're going to keep for a long time, it's going to be an important part of your projects for, for, for years. There's no way it's going to become outdated quickly. And, you know, you could name one or two of the really special animals, but you're not going to name, you know, yeah, look, you know, he's 80 plus. Now. <laughs> well, we've got 50, you know, so, and I mean, we, I do use, we do call them by name, the lizards. Um, so, yeah, it does work out all right. But it is hard naming them sometimes, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh what are some emerging trends um in the lizard world? Like I know like with ball pythons, we got genetic testing. Do y'all have anything that's kind of like uh a hot topic right now? I guess the problem in Australia is that we've got a very small population. So we've got like I don't know, 26 million 
in Australia, which is, you know, probably less than living California, <laughs> you know, and we've got a, a ge geographically, we've got a country the same size as America, but we've got way less people. Um, and so we've probably got, you know, less, um, uh, we've just got such a small amount of reptile keepers, you know, we've got a, we've got a great reptile community here. A lot of people that keep and we've got an expo this weekend and it's awesome, but, um, we just don't have the the amount of keepers that you would have in America. So things like genetic testing, that's not going to happen to our species unless it's driven by America. And then we can't ship, you can't ship a, a shed uh, out of Australia because it's uh, it, it's illegal. Okay. Um, ship, shipping a shed is like shipping an animal internationally. It's the same. Gotcha. So you can't ship a ball python shed out of America without a CITES. Right. It's the same. So, um, so yeah, and it's illegal to import or export any animals out of Australia. We, we're not allowed to do it. Um, so, you know, we have a, we have a smaller community. And so those things, you know, so there's, there's nothing crazy like that. Um, we sort of, we do in regards to products and things, I guess we follow along what happens overseas. Um, so our big product brands here are still Exoterra and Arcadia and and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, we do have a few people starting to do PVC stuff here in Australia. So PVC, we're still using a lot of malamine, you know, enclosures and racks. Um, and we don't have anyone like um, uh, Freedom Breeder or any of those here. Um, so we've got a lot of the sort of wooden, you know, this malamine type enclosure. Um, and racking, um, but we are getting a few people starting to do PVC and copy a little bit of the, the cooler American stuff, you know, like the focus cube stuff and all that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so that, that'll be cool. Um, so it sounds like while the market isn't quite as large, it's still some opportunity there to, to tap into. Definitely. Yeah. I, I personally have been looking at some of the overseas trends and products that people do in America and, you know, like it's too expensive for me to say import focus cube habitats into Australia and sell them. It, 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 it won't, it, all the money's gone with the, with the travel, but whether you could replicate what someone like focus cube or, um, you know, those sort of higher end brands are doing overseas and replicate that for our market and make them here, um, mm -hmm. that would be, that would be an opportunity for us. So, oh, yeah, um, yeah. So I, I would like to get into that. Something I'll, I'd be interested in doing, um, but it's not something that I've, I've jumped at at this stage. I'm sort of busy with the actual animals themselves, but I, I would like to create an income stream that was off a product. Um, I just haven't, you've also got to be excited about it um, and, and be passionate about it too. Like, you know, I just don't want to do something for the sake of them. Like, Oh yeah, I'm going to do it just because it'll make money. Like um, it's, it, you're boring. You've got to be keen, you know? Yeah. So so yeah, money can't be the only motivator in anything. No, because it, it just won't work. It just won't. Um, so yeah. So eventually, um, I'd like to get into um, something, but I've got to find something that really sparks my interest. You know. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So man, I, really, I, I wanted to talk about Bronx Down Under, obviously. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about the podcast and kind of like tell us a little bit about the origin story and how it got started. Yeah, well, I, I was on um, Snakes and the Fat Man uh, with Chris oh, quite a while ago now. That was like um, uh, the first sort of 
big podcast I did. Um, I mean, I had what happened was, I mean, I, I had Instagram for a while. Uh, my Instagram was growing slowly. Um, I got up to about 10,000 followers and it was a pretty good page, but it was still sort of ticking along slow. I post a reel every day. I post stories every day. Uh, I post other photos and stuff as well. But then I had that one real catch fire, got the 92 million views, and my page went from 10,000 followers to 60,000 followers pretty quick. <laughs> um, <laughs> it just it, it blew up. Uh, it actually got to 73, but I think a lot of people followed the page because they saw that reel, and then they realized, oh, this is a real, this is a page just about lizards. This is, this is not what I thought it was. <laughs> so, so you lose a few as well. So, yeah, I've, I've I've plateaued now and I've I've declined a little bit, and it's sort of settled around that sixty-seven thousand, which is which is nice. I'd like yeah, to get another reel to catch fire again and grow it again, but it's sort of plateaued, you know, for a bit now, which is cool. Um, but the page blew up. And I think that caught the attention of a lot of people. It obviously caught the attention of Chris. Uh, and Chris um, said what I'd like to be a guest on his show, and I did the show with him. And me and him, um, we really clicked uh, personality-wise. Uh, our sense of humour is very similar. Um, he's just a great guy. Um, you know, uh, you know, upsets a few people, but it's pretty. But I think he's pretty funny. You know, I, I really like him. I uh, like what he does, and uh, you know he's my kind of guy. So we yeah, we became yeah <laughs> we became great friends. So we prop we message every day, um, and we talk a lot. Um, you know we've sent each other stuff. My wife Emma has done uh, has now done an episode with him on the uh, his hot chicks episode. My wife did that, um, and look, we just became we became great friends. Um, both me and Emma are both great friends with him. So um, that was great. And then um, uh, he, obviously then there's also Brian, um, who's Samson's Snakeatorium, um, who's different, you know. Again, he's got, a, he's got a good sense of humour, but it's different to us or different right. to me. Um, and, you know, Puerto Rican, he's got a very different background, very interesting guy. Um, but I like him a lot too, like really great, you know, and we get along great. And um, so the three of us have a um, a very interesting um, way of talking to each other and you know, hanging out together. <laughs> and um, so I think Chris wanted to do a a, a new um, podcast that was not about reptiles. So the first one we did this week was about reptile shows, but I think generally it's not going to be about reptiles. It'll be about all different sorts of topics. Um, and so... Chris came up with the idea we're going to do an episode, a, a podcast. What will happen is one person will have a topic. Uh, they'll do research on the topic and come to the episode and talk about all the different interesting uh, things they've been able to research about the topic. And then the other two people will just sort of hang shit on it, you know. <laughs> and so, um, you know, for example, you know, like we might do an episode on, you know, Australian food, right, you know, and, we could talk about, you know, Vegemite and, you know, all the different things that we eat that here that are crazy overseas and um, they can, we can joke about it. So it was more like a bit of comedy, bit of fun. Um, also having, you know, someone with a Puerto Rican background, someone with an American background, someone with an Australian background, very different perspectives. So it's quite, that makes it quite funny. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, and so the first one we did reptile expos in America, which is what the the base topic was, but 
that didn't actually take up a lot of the of the episode really it was more <laughs> a bit of everything else um and just a bit of ripping on each other and laughing and and, and carrying on uh, my my dad who's not into reptiles or anything at all he watched the episode and he said it was fun and found it funny and laughed and nice um, so so that that's sort of the the intention is to maybe grow something that's not um i think the reptile community will be our initial audience because they know us and then hopefully it'll grow into something else and can be something even maybe a bit bigger than that, you know? Um, but it was fun, you know? Yeah. That's what I was about to say. Uh, so it was an interesting point you made about your dad who was not a reptile person, uh, just kind of the nature of the show and not necessarily being focused on reptiles is going to have probably a, a broader reach once it starts getting out there. But at some point, you know what I'm saying? People will start looking into y'all, I'm sure during like some of the shows, reptiles may come up and it may cause other people to look into reptiles and say, hey, these guys do reptiles. And you never know, that might bring additional people to the hobby. So I think it's good that y'all get a bit of both. There. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, um, you know, I've got a lot of people that follow me on Instagram that don't own reptiles. They just find that they find the videos funny, interesting. Um, you know, I, I follow uh, a guy on Instagram that dresses up his French bulldogs in gangster clothes and does like gangster rap videos with French bulldogs right now. <laughs> it's just funny. Right. And it's, I love the videos. I don't own a French bulldog. I, I don't have any animals like that. You know, I don't have any dogs, um, but I think it's a pisser, you know, it's funny. So there's people that watch my lizard stuff that think it's funny. And, and, and so I think, you know, there can be a bit of, you know, you can just watch it because you enjoy it. You don't have to, you know, but it could bring people to the hobby too, which is cool. Um, 100%. That'd be great, you know. Yeah. 100%. I'm definitely rooting and give, for you Yeah, and give people in the hobby some, you know, give people in the hobby something else to watch, but 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 also be people they know, you know, which is fun. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So speaking of uh, rap, I noticed like in a couple different reels and stuff, you got Tupac. You're a Tupac fan? Yeah. So I I am a Tupac fan. He's probably like, like the the three of four, four, the four big ones. Obviously, Tupac, Biggie, Snoop, and Dre, right? Okay. Um, for me, you know, that's I, I'm 41. Um, so okay, so we're about the same age. I'm 43. Yeah. So that that that, that that's you know yeah. So Tupac and Biggie were, were were and then now Snoop and Dre. So like my 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 lace monitors. Are called Snoopy and Andre. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, so I'm figuring out what you're putting down. Yeah. So if you if you watch enough of my videos, you would you would soon realize why they were called Snoopy and Andre. Um. So, yeah. I, like, yeah. I like that's that's my music. You know, that's what I listen to. So, like, um, this month actually, um, Ice Cube is here. I'm going to see Ice Cube and oh, Cypress nice. Hill and Cypress Hill. Oh, nice! That's gonna be a dope concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. They've so got the game. The game is the game as well. Um, I don't oh, the like game the game. Be there too? Yeah, I don't like the game. I don't like the game as much. I like Fifty Cent a lot too. Okay. Yeah. You like Fifty better than the game? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would definitely like Fifty better than the game. Yeah. <laughs> the game's okay, but he's like, but those three are doing a concert together. I'm mostly going. I probably would say I'm mostly going for Cypress Hill. To be fair, nice, nice, yeah, yeah. But all, all of it will be good. Stuff. Yeah. What yes, was that? Sir. I said it's old school throwback. Yeah. Uh, well, 
The I mean, all of them really. Cypress Hill, Cypress Hill, especially. Black Sunday by Cypress Hill was the first ever CD I owned. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I'm probably a bit young to own that CD, but I did. Um, hey, we were and, all uh, listening to stuff we was probably a bit young to be listening to, but we was listening to it anyway. Yeah, I was 12 years <laughs> old listening to hits from the bong, but anyway, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you but that's that my okay? music. <laughs> yeah, that's my music. So that's what I'm into, you know. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. The golden age. Yeah, that's my era right there. For sure. Shut up, Pico Pythons. Lindsay. <laughs> She's picking on me. Yeah. Can we all just take a second? Can we all just take a second, a picture, look at the concerts? Oh, take a second and pick, <laughs> pick you at the concerts. Yeah. What's the vibe at well, the concerts, Luke? Well, there's... Uh, it won't be three quarters African American people because I'm in Australia. It'll be all white people like me. <laughs> I'll fit right in. That's exactly what it'll look like. It might look weird if I went to, um, you know, uh, Ice Cube concert in America. I probably would look weird, but it won't in Australia. I don't know, bro. <laughs> I don't know. You might. It might be about the same. Would it really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 A bunch of M and M's in the crowd watching Ice Cube. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, so yeah, yeah, he's um, got a broad reach, bro. So. Oh, yeah, in Australia, 100%. It's massive in Australia, like, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's very, very popular here. That's that's my sort of music, too. Like, that's what I would, I, I would choose to listen to that sort of rap music over anything. Um, and then I don't mind, like, I go, me and my wife go to a few like festivals, like dance music, you know, like, um, this Sunday, actually, we're going to see Tiesto, which is like a yeah, dance dance type music, you know. So Okay. Hmm. So Australian hip hop artists. Who's the best? Who's your top? Um oh uh who would I think is honestly I don't I don't listen to much Australian music actually. Um mm. Hilltop Hoods. Hilltop Hoods? Yeah. Is that a yeah. group? I call it I call it skip hop. Skip hop. Why is that? Or skip like Skippy, you know, like a Skippy's like a kangaroo. Okay. Okay. And so it's Australian hip hop, you know, they call it Hilltop skip hop. Hoods. Hilltop Hoods. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have yep. to check that yep. out. They are. Yeah. If you look them up on like uh, Spotify, Apple Music, or whatever, that's, they are the best Australian hip hop band. 100%. Yeah. They're white. They're white guys, but they're good. They're great. Like very, very good. Yep. Gotcha. I'm about to check that out. But so, that's about it. There's not much else. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is no good. It don't yeah. go down, down under? Nah. <laughs> at the moment in Australia, Snoop's here. Um, he's doing concerts at the moment. Um, so who's here at the moment? Snoop's here. The game's here. Uh, Ice Cube's here. Uh, yeah, Cypress is here. They're all here at the moment, traveling around, doing their shows. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, Snoop was on. Snoop was on in my town the other day, but um, I didn't go to Snoop this time. I, I saw Snoop at a like an outdoor daytime music festival. Um, oh, like a few like a few years ago when he was he was here with um, you know we did that song beautiful with um, who's the uh, another African American but a singer um, Pharrell. Okay. He did the song. He came with Pharrell. Him and Pharrell did like an outdoor concert. And I was like five rows from the front and it was amazing. 
And so I don't really want to see Snoop again in case it's no good. <laughs> it was it was the best concert ever. I was just like, oh, I don't need to see him again. Like it was already so great. So want to go out on top. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. right. Yep. 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 <laughs> so going back to the social media, um, do you have any uh social media like advice tips? You touched on some of it that I think is important. Like you post a reel every day, you post a story every day, and obviously this is IG. Uh, you yep. post pictures and stuff like that, but any yep. other social media tips, like in terms of what you do, your interactions with followers, things of that yeah, nature? Yeah, so uh, my main my main accounts are obviously Instagram and Facebook. Facebook is really just a mirror of what I do on Instagram. Um, but the, the main things, um, you want to increase your engagement. Um, so I reply to every comment on all of my posts. So if, if someone comments on my posts, I always reply. Um, the more comments, interactions with people, the more engagement you get, the better. Um, I do one reel per day. Every day I do a reel. I don't miss a day. So one reel every 24-hour period, I do a reel. Uh, I then do um, once or twice a week, I do some still photography as well, but I mostly do reels. Um, Instagram at the moment is pushing video over, over still photography, so that's what I'm focusing on. Um, I do five stories per day. Uh, the trick with stories is to make sure that you let the stories run out. Uh, a lot of people don't do that. I think I spoke to you about that the other day. Right. Um, so if you're just constantly putting stories up on top of your old stories and there's never an end, you don't end up at the front of the queue in Instagram. You know when you go on your Instagram app, you've got the, the, re the, the stories in order at the top? If you mm -hmm. let your stories end and then start a fresh one, you get pushed closer to the front. Um, gotcha. So. So that's my understanding anyway. So I always uh, let my – I do my five reels as close together as I can. So I might do five – not real stories, sorry. Stories. I might do my five stories within an hour, you know. So I post them all really quick and then I leave them. Let them all run the full 24-hour cycle. Let them all end. I leave a gap for maybe an hour or two hours where I don't have a story and then start my fresh lot. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That always works better. You get more views that way. Definitely you, you get, I go from, you know, having maybe you might have, if you're just putting one on top of the other, on top of the other, you might get 50 people see your story. And when I let them all run out and I do fresh stories every 24 hours with a gap, I get two, three, four, five hundred 500 people see them. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So the view count is way better. So I always do that with my stories. Um, I'm glad you clarified I, that. Cause that was one of the questions I had, like, cause I noticed yep. Like you've had multiple stores, but it's like you really kind of do them in a lot, right? So you're letting that whole lot run yep. out, and then you I do them in a bunch, I do them in a group, yeah. So okay, yep. And I try not to do too many, so I try and do like five stories, five or six as a max, and try and put them all together, let them run, and then and then do the next lot. That's definitely the way I do it. Um, I think the algorithm uh, will um, push you if you are more consistent. So I try and do a reel every day. And um, go from there, you know. So, and just hope one catches fire, you know. Hope one catches the algorithm and gets pushed to people that aren't already following me. You know, that's that's what you hope for. Um, it's tough, you know, but you got to enjoy it. If you're if if you're doing the videos and the reels and the stuff, and you're not getting the views and the engagement that you want, and that's getting you down, and you're upset about it all the time. Um, it's not fun. You know, I, I enjoy the video. I enjoy making videos as much as I enjoy the animals. And so um, I enjoy making the banners and the pictures and all that stuff. 
So as long as you're getting enjoyment out of it, then who cares? Gotcha. Do you plan out what you're going to post like for like the whole week or do you just kind of do it like on a day by day basis? No, I have them in draft. So like I, I pre-make all the reels um, and then I draft them. You know how to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So I've got them all in the draft. Oh, see there, Sneak the draft feet. on this side. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've got three at the moment in draft ready to go. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. So three's about as low as I want to get. So, I, but it's a, it's a Friday here and I make most of my reels on the weekend. Um, and then I, I make them all and put them all into draft and then I'll use them all. I'll drop them all week, you know? And you're using Canva for a lot of that? I use Canva for the, 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 um, I like to have a really consistent look on the page. So, uh, lately I've been doing, um, the covers in Canva. So they all look the same, um, similar style font, lots of bright color, try and make mm -hmm. the, make the page look like nice and bright. Um, so yeah, I use that, I use Canva for that. And then to actually make the reels themselves, I like them all to be timed to music um, or timed, you know, like I like to use effects in the video. Um, I use a, an app called CapCut, C-A-P-C-U-T. Yeah. Or I use VN uh, is the other one I use, CapCut or VN. Yep. Okay. And they're both good. They're very similar. They just have slightly different things in them. So some things I like in VN that CapCut doesn't do, so I'll, I'll, I'll flip and flop between the two apps. But uh, I make them all in there, um, and and that's how I do it. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That's I, try use, I try and use music that's trending. You know how to find music that's trending on Instagram versus not trending? Yeah, the one with the, like, the little arrow. The little arrow. Yeah, so, yeah. yep. The little, the little, the, the stiffy arrow pointing upwards, he's your man. You want him, you know. So I use that as much as possible um, rather than the music symbol um, if I can. Um, and I try and find videos that have, that are trending that have had less than 10,000 videos made of them. Okay. So if the music's trending, but it's got a million videos. You're just going to get, get lost. lost in the sauce. Okay. Yeah. So trending, but a low count of videos made is my preferred. That's what I'll try and use. Um, Instagram at the moment is trying to push more original content. So I have been doing quite a few videos lately with no music that are like either my voice talking, um, you know, the sound of the shed, uh, my daughter talking to a lizard. That original content is also good. You know, there's nothing wrong with the original audio that you own. Uh, so if you use your own original audio, that sometimes is helpful too. Some of those go pretty well. Yeah. So try and do a mix of those two. So what would you say, like, what's the downside of social media from your perspective? Um, I used to take it really personal when people attacked me about the way I cared for my animals. Um, even though I'm very confident that I care for my animals better than anyone could care for them and that I keep them to the highest standards that I possibly could. Um, people that want to keep differently are people that want to keep bioactive, people that want to uh, do keeping a different way to me and that want to have those arguments with you. Um, that's, it's really not fun. Um, and I used to get pretty emotional or down about it, you know? Um, and so, yeah, 
that that's probably the worst thing for me was that negativity. Um, but learning to learning to just not um, not take any of that stuff to heart and um, just you know believe in yourself rather than you know getting bogged down by the haters. You know. Yeah, most of them perfect strangers. Most, if not all, perfect strangers. So it's not even worth it, man. Like just. Yep. Find your tribe and rock with them. Yeah, and and a lot of jealousy, you know. Um, you know, like my page got I had one real go crazy and it blew my page up. Now I've got a really big following. And uh-huh. I I've I've had five reels go over a million views. And so though, you know, the, the collection of those five reels, the big one, the 92 million, and the other four that have all made a million, those five reels. I've made a huge difference to my page with my following and, and so on. Um, but people jealous saying, you know, just saying nasty things about, about your page. Oh, you know, you, you bought your followers or you bought views. You, you can't buy 92 million views. I'd love to, if I could buy 92 million views for every reel I buy, you know, <laughs> but it's not possible. Right. So you just got to get lucky. The algorithm's got to bite and you, and you get the views and, and um, you know, you just got to, you know, enjoy it when it lasts and when it's not going so well, just be consistent and enjoy making the videos and enjoy the community that you've built. You know, um, you know, a lot of people that are in the chat, you know, like Matt, Matt Summers, you know, he he likes and comments on nearly every video I make. And, and I appreciate, you know, uh, people like that, you know, Lindsay from Picos Pythons, you know, like, you know, liking, commenting on my lace monitor videos because she she thinks they're wonderful and those sorts of things. It's, it's just really nice to build a community of nice people. You know, um, there's and, a ton of dope people in this community. Oh, I've met I've met so many friends. We, we, me and my wife Emma are going to try and get to an expo. This year. We're going to try and do Arlington or Tinley this year. Should do October um, Tinley. October Tinley, yeah. So yeah, October yeah. Tinley or Arlington. Arlington's the other big one. You know, one of those. Um, but we really want to get to one of those shows um, and just meet all the people that we've met because we've made so many great friends. You know, it's been amazing. That's what's up, bro. Yep. All right, bro. So before I let you get out of here and enjoy the rest of, I usually say enjoy the rest of your night, but enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> yeah. I got some random questions for you. And so okay, the first go for one is, yep. And you probably heard some of these before, but we're going to start with the first one. So if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? I want to live in um, – I don't know about other countries. I haven't really thought about living in another country, but I really would like to live in far north Queensland. So I live in the far southeast of Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to live in the in the, in the the uh, northeast. So um, it's the reverse – of, of you guys, the further north we go, the hotter it is in Australia. Okay. Because um, we're below the equator. You're oh, above the equator. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So I want to live at the far, I want to live in far north Queensland because that's saltwater crocodile country. Um, you know, uh, I, I just I just love the wildlife and the animals and the temperature um, and the environment. That's just where I want to be, you know? Yep. So me that and my wife sense. both want to live up there for sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I never really thought about it like that, but until you said it, but yeah, that makes perfect sense in terms of like location. It's, it's a bit like the, the flop. Yeah, so so far north Queensland is like Australia's Florida, you know? Gotcha. <laughs> Crocodiles, 
lizards all over the place, snakes, wild animals. It's hot. You know, that's that's where we want to live. So once our children are all old, older and moved out, that's where we, me and my wife want to live. Bree, what's good? Thanks for coming out. All right. So uh if you could have dinner with any three people dead or alive, who would it be and why? Michael Jordan. Nice. Just has to be. The um, goat, by the way. The goat. Uh, <laughs> anyone that talk. <laughs> any anyone that thinks LeBron is the goat is a absolute moron um so <laughs> michael jordan uh by the length of the straight um uh the other two people i i would probably say um uh to pick a dead person i'd pick biggie okay um just yeah uh, I, I like him more than i like tupac um out okay. of the guys that 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 aren't around um, are the rappers that are dead? Um, Biggie's my number one. Two back with my number two of the guys that aren't here anymore. Okay, I'm gonna say third, but then we're gonna unpack that Biggie and Pop. <laughs> 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 um, so that's uh, one, two, what do you want? Third, yes, sir, third person, Steve, Steve Irwin. That's what's up. That's what's yeah. up. He's not here, which is, yeah, oh, yeah, he 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 is. And look, if I could have a fourth person, I would have David Attenborough, right? He's but he's still he's still here. Um, if David Attenborough had passed, I probably would have said David Attenborough over Steve Irwin. Um, once they're both passed, I think David Attenborough is one, and Steve Irwin is two uh, in the animal world. Um, but yeah, they're they're the two. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, so let's moonwalk back to this Biggie and Park discussion. So okay. why Biggie over Park? And I'm not judging. But just, I'm curious. Um, I I just like the sound of Biggie more. Uh, I think um, the Tupac stuff is fairly like it's a bit more aggressive, you know. And he he had a bit more baggage, you know. Like he was he was really into some of the the rights and um, he you know he he probably thought a little bit deeper than Biggie, you know. Um, and so I think some people would find more of a connection there with with Tupac, but I, I just I just found Biggie's music more fun, you know. Gotcha. Not as not as serious, you know. Gotcha. Would that be would that be fair? That's a fair statement, and I actually yeah. agree with it. But I gravitate towards Park more for those same reasons. Like Tupac mm. was like more of a deeper. Um, in my opinion, a deeper artist, you know what I'm saying? He had like a whole bunch of different kind of like flavors to him. He was into a lot, you know what I'm saying? He had his uh politicized self, he had kind of like yeah. the gangster persona, he had yeah. kind of like sticking up for women and things like that. So he had kind of like all of these kind of different faces, right? Yeah, uh Biggie was a little bit different. They both were great artists, and I think Biggie is a better lyricist than Tupac, like hands down. Like to me, it's like not even close. But if someone asked me who's my favorite Biggie or Pac, I would go with Pac, but Biggie is not that far behind. Yeah. Yeah. And so some of the political stuff in that, I just can't really connect with being on the other side of the world. And we don't have those same sort of um, issues here. And so I don't, it doesn't initially grab me. Um, right. 
and that's a big part about the music is how it yeah grabs and how it yeah grabs. yeah yeah but the the the, the just the <clears throat> i have a i have a my family has like quite a um a criminal a criminal background and like i have uh, uh quite a strong ties with um uh underworld and and gangster figures in my city that i live in and that's what I what I my family comes from. And okay. so the the biggie the more biggie gangster rap stuff makes makes more sense to me. You know. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And I, I can send I can send you a I'll send you a link to have a read of like um so my stepfather um was a was a probably the most notorious underworld figure in my city growing oh, up. Wow. Yeah. So like my stepfather was was a was a huge deal in in my city and um so my you know i became quite well known for that and um you know obviously i it's not what i am now but you know um was a big part of growing up and so mm -hmm. it's it's quite interesting and um uh you know so I, that's that's why i'm into that music you know gotcha that makes sense it was the soundtrack mm, 100% <laughs> Hundred percent. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, you definitely have to shoot me that link, bro. Hundred percent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the next one, if you had ten million dollars to invest, uh, how would you invest it? Ten million US. I would, I would buy a business. I don't know what business I would buy, but I would buy buy. I would like to buy or start a business, so I was my own boss and not work for someone. Um, I'd like to go back. I have done that in the past, but I'd like to go back to that some stage in my life. And if I had the financial means to do it, I would. And I and I would buy property, you know. I wouldn't buy I wouldn't buy cars and I wouldn't, you know, buy um you know um those sorts of things. I would spend it on property and business, you know. Smart man, smart man, true investments. All right, and mm -hmm. so last one, uh if there was one question you wish I would have asked you, what would that question have been, and how would you have answered it? <laughs> I've no, I've no idea. Um, this is always the harder one. God, that's a tough question. I honestly, I hadn't thought of it, and I, I don't really know. Um, it's a question I wish you'd ask me. Um, no, no. Mate, you've you've stumped me for sure. I have no <laughs> idea. Uh, I I I never. I should have thought of this before the show. Um, All right, so no, I don't know. Got one down there. Who is your daddy, and what does he do? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, I'll I'll post a link in my story on Instagram. However, that yes, sir. You I'll put a link here. in. My, Go check people it out. That want, people that want to know, I'll put I'll put a link to um. Uh, so there was a TV show, like a documentary show done on my stepdad um, last year. Um, my stepdad's passed away, um, so he's not with us anymore. Um, but there was there was a show done recently. Um, I'll pop a couple of links on my Instagram story for people to people who've watched this that want to um, want to know about it. I'll pop it there. You know. But y'all make sure y'all engage when you go see it on Instagram. Don't just yep. lurk. Engage. Yeah, go and have a look. <laughs> <laughs> but bro this has been absolutely amazing i really appreciate you taking your time to come on the show 
Uh, I know it's like the middle of the day for you, so it could be disruptive depending on what you got going on, but I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, is there anything else you want to tell everybody before we get out of here? Uh, no, look, I hope that everyone's watching follows me on Instagram, but I would like everyone to follow my Instagram page. <laughs> um, uh, that's where we post all our videos and our stories, and that's where we connect with everyone else that's in the in the reptile community. And, um, you know, like that's that's my favourite place to hang out is on Instagram. So if um, if people could follow us and 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 um, engage with us on Instagram, that would be great. You know, gotcha. And we got your link tree in the description of this video, so y'all oh. make sure y'all go check it out for sure. Thank you very much. Cool. And to everybody in the chat, everybody listening to this later, man. We really appreciate the support. We appreciate all the shares throughout the week. We appreciate y'all coming through, kicking it with us each and every Thursday night is, is dope. Next week, we will not be live. Uh, next week will be a pre-recorded episode. And so we got uh, the homie Shane from Small Town Exotic. So make sure y'all check that out. Uh, next week is going to be Tinley week too. Um, so that weekend, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, however long you stay in Tinley, y'all make sure y'all have safe travels for those of y'all traveling. Y'all have a good time. Uh, won't get a chance to talk to you live before then, but the following week we'll be right back at you again. Thank y'all for coming out. Be blessed. Peace. Luke, can you hang around for just a second? Of course, man. Thank you, sir. <laughs>